Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to the Rutgers rant. Early January, first one of 2020, joined as always by James Cratch, Keith Sargent. We've got a big show today, fellas. We're going to talk uh, a lot about the coaching staff for Rutgers football. We're going to dive deep into what I think is probably the biggest, the latest biggest game in a long time for the Rutgers basketball program tomorrow night against Penn State. Uh, we've got some recruiting stuff, hoop stuff, all sorts of good stuff to talk about. Fellas, how you doing? Good. Doing well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. And it's been a happy New Year for, uh, for Rutgers football. I got to tell you, and Crash, this is funny. We, you know, (laughs) not to dive too deeply in what we do as a, as a website, but there are times when we put posts on the website that is just really internet candy, right? Where we just take something, a topic like, Hey, what would be, you know, the greatest combination of, of, you know, places to get Taylor Hammond, whatever, whatever the heck it is. And one of these posts (laughs) was, you know, what would be Rutgers' dream staff under Greg Schiano? And you throw out all these names, and it was like, oh yeah, that looks really great. And now we're pretty, we're closing in on do you actually getting the dream? Him, Greg Schiano signing your staff. And it's kind of funny. I mean, what, what do you make of this? I mean, is this? Do you think that what he's done to assembling a coaching staff has exceeded, you know, what was possible? Uh I don't believe this way. I'm a little surprised that like they really haven't hit a hiccup yet. Now they may end up hitting a hiccup with Anthony Campanelli, who I'm sure we'll discuss in a second. But no, I mean, and I want to say one thing: like it was that wasn't just like it, yes, it was part guesswork, and obviously I'm, I'm not too naive or, or you know my ego is not inflated to the point where I don't realize there's a little bit of luck involved that all these guys have actually made the staff. But you know, I put that list together having talked to people about what they thought Greg might do. And I think, you know, that's where a lot of those names came from. No, look, I'm not going to get them all. Like, I know right now Bob Bostad's not going to be the offensive line coach. Uh, but I think we got most of them because, A, they're obvious names that, you know, have ties to Rutgers, have ties to Greg, have ties to New Jersey. But, B, and I think this is the big thing, Rutgers is a war chest now, which is something they have never had before when it comes to assistant coaches. Crazy. So, Yes, I mean, like, I think Jim Panagos is the perfect example. Jim Panagos is paid well at Minnesota, and when P.J. Fleck got that new deal, as we talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast, Minnesota basically said, we're going to throw a million bucks into your coaching pool immediately to give everybody raises. 
Well, mm-hmm. Greg goes and gets Jim Panagos, and in year two is going to pay him double what Chris Ash paid his defensive line coach, Corey Brown, last season. Incredible. It really is. It is really wild. And, you know, and looking at the hires he, he made, the one I thought he had to make, he had to get somebody who would be, you know, would bring an offensive vision to this thing, who would, would have, you know, uh, his finger on the pulse of the way the, the college game is going. We couldn't go back to, you know, what, what he was doing when he was here last time. So, so Sean Gleason comes in. Sarge, this is, this is funny now. <clears throat> and I got an email from somebody who is as strong a Shiano acolyte as there is in the world who actually asked me, his resume is a little thin. Are we <laughs> sure about this? And it's funny when you think about it because, and I don't want to, I don't want to drop this name and any, any sense of the comparison between Drew Merringer, but you know, it's a young guy who doesn't have a lot of experience who, who, you know, is already about, you know, coming to his third job. What, what in your mind will set him apart from say the other coordinators that they've had and uh, you know, uh, for this offense? So, you know, obviously, you know, his biggest, uh, you know, where he just was at was Oklahoma State, and they had some success, you know, but, you know, Oklahoma State kind of disappointed this past season. Um, I, from all accounts, everyone who I talk to, I've, I, you know, I've done stories over at Princeton. I've talked to people over there, um, and Crash can probably attest to this too. You know, he's very into the new uh, uh, analy- analytics that everyone's talking about. He is – very, very. I mean, he went to print. I mean, you know, he's from Princeton, so he, uh, you know, and, and by all accounts, uh, Bob Sarace, what he's doing over there at that program is on the cutting edge. It's on the, on the forefront, and by right. all accounts, he's you know very innovative when it comes it comes to uh, you know scheme wise. So uh, by all accounts, he you know he's going to try to uh, bring in uh, some uh, new innovation that you know. Quite frankly, you know, Greg Schiano, you know, he'd be the first one to admit it. You know, yeah, I, I think, you know, he's not an offensive guy. You know, he's going to entrust whoever he was going to hire. He was going to have to have a, a guy who's going to take the bulk of the offensive uh, uh, workload. And you know, in Sean Gleason, I think he found one. Cratch, you've you've dug you've about to dive deep into him. Uh, what do you see in his background that you like? And I guess this is the bigger, broader picture. We obviously we've had what you know, fifteen offensive coordinators in the last. <laughs> I don't exaggerate only, only a little bit. Eleven and eleven. Um, you know, can, does it make a difference? I mean, I, will it? You know, if he's good at his job, will we show up on uh, against against Mammoth and go, oh, wow, hey, look, look at that? Or is it all just a Jimmy's and Joe's kind of thing? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that there are probably creative things that you can do, um, especially against Monmouth. And Monmouth's a, a really good football team, and that's going to be a game where I think there's going to be a little bit of juice to it. But I, I think, it, yes, it's a Jimmy's and Joe's thing. I think that, obviously, at Princeton, um, he had superior talent for the Ivy League, and I think Sarge can attest to this. The Ivy League is very quietly, slowly kind of becoming like everybody else in college football. You know, in terms of they're getting good players, you know, they are yeah. finding ways around, you know, they don't have scholarships, but, you know, they've got this, you know, stuff like that. Um, two, I think they need to win, like, Sean Gleason has more job security, arguably, than any other offensive coordinator in that stretch has had at Rutgers. So I think that's going to help, too. This is not a yeah. one-year, you know, flip the switch, and it's going to be, you know, the greatest show on, on turf next year. I think this is going to be a building process, but he's a young guy who is very bright by all accounts. He's got a promising future. Everyone thinks he's going to be a head coach. 
but I think that's maybe two, three years down the road after he kind of turns around this Rutgers offense. Right. And you mentioned job security, and this is, I think this is the big thing. This is how you end up with, you know, doing a, doing a national search and with Andy Boo as your defensive coordinator when you, and everyone knows you're going to get fired or might get fired. Greg Shannon's never going to get fired. Uh, so anybody who comes here knows they have that. So, uh, the logical question that brings us to, to, to Anthony Campanillo, what is the, what is, what is the holdup there? If there's a full court press between Rutgers and Boston College, fellas, I'm a little. I know he's close to Jeff Halfley, but you know, <laughs> I'm a little skeptical as to what what you know the, the, between those two places. You'd have to think that you'd have a better chance here, or am I wrong? That's a great question. I, I think for Anthony, it comes down to what job is going to make him a head coach at a big at, at a program that gives him a chance for success the quickest way. I think that's got has to be with the you know like look, Rutgers is going to pay him more money. Um, but if he goes back to BC, it goes to a place where him and his family, from what I'm told, enjoyed living, and he was there for three years, and he basically recruited all the kids on that roster, um, defensive players. You right, know, BC right. is probably, Rutgers fans don't want to hear it, BC is ready to win faster than Rutgers is at this point in all likelihood. Do you think so? I watched that bowl game, really? <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. No, I mean, they are. yeah, they are. They've recruited at a higher BC, level. You know, they, yeah, they recruit, they've recruited at a higher level. You know, I mean, one, I, I when you're a six and six team and your head coaches got fired and you're in some godforsaken bowl game in Birmingham and right. okay. was literally falling like it shocked me like during that thunderstorm that like a part of like the the you know, the mezzanine didn't like fall on the field or something. That place yeah. we, we covered that. We we could probably talk about that. I wasn't uh, there. I mean, you must have some you must have yeah. flashed. No, and I will say this now. <laughs> inside baseball. Sorry to cut you off, Cratch. Uh so I remember it was, uh, Brendan Prunty, a former, uh, you know, colleague, you know, a former Star Ledger, uh, beat reporter. I was at the, uh, you know, at, at a rival, uh, newspaper and we're, we're there. I think it might have been the day before the game. They're holding a press conference and we're there right before, uh, you know, Greg Ciano's walking through. This is the first time he's walking into Legion Field. Legendary Legion Field is the way <laughs> the bowl reps, uh, you know, build it. And this is literally his first impression of it they didn't do a walkthrough the day before they were practicing over at hoover high school so this is the first time he's actually you know laid eyes on it and his words uh were uh, let's just say i i don't want to misquote him now it's you know a decade after the fact but let's just say he was less than impressed by the uh by the by the historic nature of legion field it was very run down and he looked at it and just couldn't like just couldn't believe his eyes that that you know they, they you know if you remember you know that year they they had won I think uh, seven in a row to to get you know get to a bowl game they were on fire um, you know NC State was you know a pretty good team Russell Wilson was a quarterback right, by the way right. for NC State so it, it wasn't a bad you know bowl t- uh, game you know couple you know two you know power five uh, programs and he you know he just could not believe believe they had to play there I remember I poking the bear a little bit during the press conference like twenty minutes later because I knew like you know just you know I had just seen him. <laughs> Less than impressed, and you know, I, I threw a you know, I threw a question at him about playing in, in, in you know, you know, in, in Legion Field, the historic nature of it, you know, how yeah, how awesome is it to be you know, with all the history over at Legion Field, and like he he shot me daggers. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. Was so. Wasn't that the one the game that ran out of Papa John's dot com bowl that ran out of pizza? Wasn't that the game? They did. They did. That was that was Bob McKay's last game. Oh, um, you know, they knocked out. 
uh, Russell Wilson in the second quarter, uh, they, NC State would have won that game going away. Uh, he, oh, Russell Wilson was so far the best player on the field. I remember, I think it was Ryan D'Imperio tackled him near the 10 yard line and, um, you know, knock him out of the game. If, if Russell Wilson, uh, you know, doesn't get hurt in that game, I think NC State w- would have probably won. All right. That was a fun little diversion into, to Birmingham football history here. Uh, <laughs> Christ, to finish your thought. All right. Is, do you think, you think, you think Anthony's coming? Number one and number two, round out the rest of the staff then. Who else is he going to hire for the, for the openings? He is not officially filled. So I will say this. I think that Frank's been after Anthony for a month now. Um, on Saturday, and I put this on our Rutgers Sports Insider, for those of you that subscribe know this, and those of you who don't subscribe, you should sign up. All of a sudden, out of, you know, kind of, boom, it was, there was a sense of optimism, momentum, like, the things have changed, like, Halfley was in the lead, but now Greg is back in the lead. I think they kind of sweetened the pot a little bit financially. Um, it's been status quo since then. I know there, there was a report that, you know, BC's making their big push, so, my answer is I know Rutgers felt better about getting Anthony than it had this past weekend. Nothing has changed. I haven't been told anything otherwise. But I still think that whether Rutgers fans like to hear it or not, there are several you know facets of this decision that right. weigh in Boston College favor. I think it's you know working with Halfley. He probably gets more freedom to run his defense with Halfley than he does with Chiano. Um, you know, I think that the players there, the schedule, that the league being easier, you know, the familiarity. So I think I think it's a very complicated situation that should have a resolution at some point soon. You'd think in the next couple of days, but we've been saying that for a month now. All right, the rest of the staff, offensive coordinator, another scoop on the Rutgers insider. If you're paying attention, uh, give us that. Give us Colby Smith. Is he coming back? Augie Hoffman. Well, give me what? Well, give me the rest of the staff then. Sorry, do you yeah. want to take Augie real quick? Yeah, uh, I have not. I mean, there has to be a spot open for him. Yeah, so, right. uh, offensive line coach, we we anticipate uh, Andrew Orich, uh, Princeton offensive line uh, and offensive coordinator. He's a guy who replaced Gleason at at Princeton. He and Gleason work well together. We anticipate he he's going going to be the offensive line coach. Taekwon Underwood, wide receiver coach, yeah. who I think is going to be an incredible hire. He, he's going to work. Um, and people are like, well, does he have the experience? It doesn't matter, guys. He, he will, he will work well with young athletes. If you've met, if you've oh. spent even 10 minutes around that kid, he is just an yep. energetic, smart, personable dude who's going to be the guy you want to keep track of what these kids are doing off the field. So I, that's a great hire. Yeah, great hire, tremendous hire. You remember the Super Bowl media day? I think you were there. Yeah, that, that, yeah where, where oh. he was just holding court, and you know, and then you know, Belichick being Belichick, you know, cuts him. Oh, you know, the, yeah, and, and he had every opportunity in the world to be bitter about that, and just wouldn't do it. I mean, that's just his personality. He was happy. He was happy to be on the roster until the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just that he could cut, he gets cut and replaced with a Rutgers player on the on the on the final roster roster spot. Do you remember who it was? Yes, Alex Silvestro, another Rutgers. There you go. Player. Good trivia question. Boy, we're diving deep today, aren't we? We are just <laughs> we are. the offseason. We are just diving deep. All right, so go on. Augie Hoffman, no. Yeah, so, 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 uh, yeah uh, Nunzio, uh, Nunzio will probably be uh, in in some offensive uh, coach, coaching role, whether it's tight ends or maybe running backs. He has experience coaching both. Uh, Colby Smith is still on staff. There's been no formal announcement regarding his status, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets retained and then he would be coaching running backs and that would probably bump uh, Nunzio back down to uh, tight ends. 
you know, from a cool. defensive standpoint, we talked about Anthony, uh, Bob Frazier's coming back. Um, now that the Patriots, uh, you know, have been ousted, I, I, I would expect that to be announced, uh, this coming week. Um, you know, and then, um, I, I guess, like I said, I think there just has to be an opening for, for Augie. Um, the one, you know, whether, the yeah, go one, ahead. The one interesting aspect is that the 10th assistant job is not really earmarked to one side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at it now, you figure, okay, you know, whether they hire Anthony or not, I tend to think that they're going to have to hire another defensive assistant and that guy would probably work with the defensive backs because it seems like it's standard operating procedure now that you've got two guys in the secondary, the safety and cornerback are so different. Um, you look at the offense, obviously we've got a coordinator, we, we have an anticipated offensive line coach, we have a wide receivers coach, you've got Nunzio and you've got Colby Smith still around, so you think, okay, one's tight ends, one's running backs. The question is, what does Greg do with the 10th position? Does he add, and we know that Gleason's going to coach quarterbacks, so it's not going to be a quarterback-specific position coach. My question now is, okay, does, does Greg have a special teams coordinator? Something Ash didn't have. Does he, you know, have an assistant offensive line coach? Does he have a assistant, you know, defensive line coach? Does he break away the defensive ends and the outside linebackers? So I think that's where it could get creative. And if they if they can create a spot for a guy like Augie Hoffman, if they want to. Maybe with a position that they haven't had in the past or, or recently. Right. The other, the other thing that I mean, a lot of fans might might lose sight of Steve is, um, by all accounts, the people I've talked to, he's going to really throw a lot of money at at the uh, recruiting office. I, I think mm-hmm. uh, he could throw, he could hire as many as five different, uh, maybe six different people. Wow. You know, in, in that in, in that department, uh, you know, obviously Rick Mance and you know, and some other guys are are. are Filling that void right now, Rick Mance, I, I would anticipate gets retained. I've heard a few other high school coaches are 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 um, in the mix for 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 some roles, yeah, which would be interesting. And then um, you know Kevin McConnell, um, who who was uh, Greg's right hand man, we're anticipating that he's going to be back. I you know I, you know he's in more or less a chief of staff role. Um, yeah, he's the type of guy who who's followed uh, followed him down to Tampa. He was a long time deputy AD at Rutgers, so. Um, again, Graciano, a lot of these positions might get lost on the average Rutgers fan, but, you know, clearly, you know, he's trying to get the band back together with as many, uh, of his, his former people that he worked with. And he's also trying to, you know, like hire that dream staff that Cratch, uh, wrote about. One right. last thing I will say, um, with Augie or any high school coach, they've got to be hired to an on-field coaching position or else there's a moratorium on recruiting their school. And St. Joe's is going to have some of the best players in the state in the upcoming cycle. So I don't see Augie Hoffman being a guy that they hire unless there's been some loophole or rule change for like a recruiting off-field position. I think if he's going to be on the staff, he's going to be one of the 10 on-field assistants. Good good segue right into recruiting. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because uh, uh, this is a perfect example of why you shouldn't follow recruiting to Jalen Berger. Uh, picked running back, uh, best player in the state, Don Bosco picked Wisconsin. Really no surprise. I think what happens here, fellas, and this is what I, this is my problem I have with recruiting is if you're a player who decides early on, I'm going to go, I'm going to pick a school. I'm going to go to wherever it is. Then you kind of fade from consciousness. But if you're someone who, you know, spends a lot of these weights and debates and changes his mind and goes back and forth, you get in, you get a disproportionate amount of attention. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it just become in the eyes of fans and people more important because people have been talking about you for eight months. I think this is what's happened a little bit with Jalen Berger going to Wisconsin. Padre Khan says there's a chance that he could still reopen his recruiting. If I'm a Rutgers fan, I wouldn't count on that. At this point, Wisconsin's where you go if you're running back from New Jersey. My question to you guys now, what do you think with this class? Are we, is, is this it? Are we close to being the end, to the end as far as, uh, you know, high school players go? And is there someone in the transfer portal that Greg's going to pull out of his pocket at the end here? Cratch, what do you think here? I think for the most part, Obviously, they're going to Sandberger, and obviously Todrick was told as he put on our text service that Berger's going to take an official visit to Rutgers while committed to Wisconsin, I guess. I mean, that's not totally out of the realm of possibility. I don't know if that was a, a firm decision he's going to take the official visit. So obviously, look, they're going to try. They got a month. We'll see if they flip it. I mean, I can't really blame a, a running back for wanting to go to Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, of course yeah, I mean. Yeah, you know, that's that's the place where you're going to succeed. It's kind of proven there. Um, I think there's a couple, one or two high school players that are still in on that haven't signed yet. But for the most part, I expect them to look at, at the junior college guys and the transfer portal. Um, there's been no big name that's popped out yet because I think any big name at this point is probably looking at programs that are ahead of Rutgers on a national pecking order. But I, I do think there there's some junior college guys there. There's maybe you know, the one thing I keep hearing is that, you know, there are New Jersey guys and other schools who want to come home. Um, yeah. So far, those guys haven't presented themselves, uh, but maybe they will as we kind of get to spring practice. That's another thing, too, with the portal. Remember, Rutgers added McLean Carter and Kyle Penniston basically right before, you know, when school was ending. So they still might hold spots open, get through spring practice when guys around the country see where they are on depth charts. Um, and I also think, too, especially I know we're going to talk about quarterback here, I would think that whatever decision they want to make on quarterback, unless there's a no-brainer in the portal, you want to see Sean Gleason and Art Sikowski and Johnny Langan all on the field together for 15 spring practices in the spring game in that scheme before you make a major decision about quarterback. You got, you got, I got to, you know, coming home, and you, you're reminding me of something I want to mention, Sean, Glee, Sean Gleason on Twitter. uh to announce his coming home, quoted a Springsteen song. And, you know, that, that usually would be enough, like, hey, look, he's quoting the boss and coming home. But you got, you know, if you're really in Jersey, you got to pick the right Springsteen song. I got to tell you, coach, pick and prove it all night. That, that's, that, that's a good, that's a good place to start. You got you're off to a good start here, I think. That's good. If you had gone with like, you know, if you'd gone with something like, uh, you know, born in the USA, you know, there, there are, there are things you could do wrong here with, there are possible missteps with the spring. Yeah. Uh, you know, how about lost in the, lost in the flood would probably not go over well, right? <laughs> oh man. No, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be the great, that wouldn't be the great choice. Yeah. Actually, it actually might be my favorite Springsteen song. Really? Wow. That, yeah. Right up there. Song. All right. What were we talking about? I lost. Oh, uh, recruiting. Sorry, you anything else? Or you want to go to you want to go to football, basketball? Let's talk about another sport. Yeah, let's dive in. Sorry, come on. This is exciting. Yeah, so huge win in Nebraska. Um, and I hey, look, and I, I get it. Nebraska's not very good, but for that team to win anywhere on the road is big, and for that team to win anywhere on the road without Geo Baker is big, and for that team to win on the road by twenty points essentially lead the entire way without any you know really threat. To, to that is, is just huge. So I thought that was a big win. Sort of, I don't know if it changes 
uh, the trajectory of the season because I thought that's one they had to have no matter what happens. Uh, but it certainly puts, you know, this, this game, uh, on Tuesday into just another stratosphere as far as, uh, of where this team can go if they beat Penn State. Sarge, give me a, give me a sense what you, what you saw from that game. And do you have a better timetable for, for Geo Baker as far as when he might be back? Yeah, he's going to be out, uh, indefinitely and, uh, information on, on that front, you know, is, is, is hard to. Well, what's to indefinitely? Two weeks, six weeks? You know, we're going to see him next season. If you, if you look at that injury, it's generally a, uh, a month, about so. a month. Yeah, about a month. If you look at that injury, just from a general standpoint. Okay. Um, speaking about injuries, I guess you didn't get hurt when you jumped onto the bandwagon for basketball. No, no, I believe me. It was just loaded with hay, the bandwagon. It's like, <laughs> everyone's happy all to, to have you on. Dave White's paperbacks. I just landed with a beautiful, like a pillow, this lovely fall, and then a welcoming, welcoming embrace from Rutgers basketball fans. <laughs> Okay, so getting into to, back to, to hoops, I mean, there's a clear path for any, we're going to get uh, Steve Pike on a little bit. We're going to obviously uh, cover the game tomorrow, and and you know he's going to to I'm sure dismiss the question as far as you know NCAA bubble. You know, you know, oh, despite God. you know right now the metrics look good. You know, there's a, you know two months to to, to go before uh, you know bef- before it really gets serious. Um, but there is a clear path, you know, and there you know. They're obviously so dominant at home right now. They're ten and zero at home, so they have nine Big Ten home games remaining. I'm not, you know, they're not going to win all nine, obviously. But you know, if they were to go seven and two, you know, in in in, in you know in 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 those home games, that gets them to eighteen wins. Eighteen wins, um, and then you know if they can get two uh, or three. Road wins, say two, and then you know, so that's three uh, uh, Big Ten road wins overall. You know, you have twenty wins going into into conference tournament play, and you're squarely on the on the bubble. You probably need to win one or two games in, in the conference tournament, but you know, you're probably you know talking about a, a team that's in the you know the middle of the pack of the Big Ten standings. Uh, you know, at that point, they will be uh, you know in, in the conversation. Seven and two, if you look at the schedule, you obviously. <laughs> The, the Penn State game will be a litmus test. You know, Penn State's ranked 21st in the country, but right now you look at the standings; they're 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 right up there in the mix. You know, a bunch of teams are at two and one in, in conference play, and Rutgers is one of them. But here's the thing, guys. I know we said seven and two at home. Why can't they go nine and zero at home? Mm. If they Ooh. get past Penn State, wow, this town is going to be on fire. One and two, the home schedule. It, it gets, it's, it's tough. It's the Big Ten. It's the best conference of the country, as Steve Pike likes to tell us five times every time we meet him. But <laughs> it's, they're not really playing the heavyweights, you know, like Michigan and, and Maryland, I think, are the, the two toughest home opponents after that. Those don't come until later in the year when the hay might be in the barn for this team. So I think there's a very good chance if they beat Penn State that the rack becomes, you know, one of those towering inferno venues where the visiting team just doesn't win. And at that point, if you somehow go 9-0 at home, and remember, they basically have a 10th a tenth home game because they're playing Michigan, their road game at the Garden. Almost at that point, if you go 9-0 at home, 9-0 You keep on saying that. Win. Like, I mean, 7-2 seemed like a wonderful ask. But I, I, I just say, somebody know the emergency chain. <laughs> Nine and zero. If you go nine zero at home, you need to win what? Like two more games on the road, and you're you're in the tournament. So like this is a this is a this is the latest biggest game in the history of Rutgers basketball. But it's a pretty big one because you got to win this one first. Win this one first. Win this one first, and all of a sudden 
this place is going to have hoops fever. I will say this, guys, and I looked it up just because I was curious. Last year, the the final team in for the Big Ten was Ohio State. Uh, all right, so they were twenty and fifteen, eight and twelve in the Big Ten, which is tied for eighth. They went one and one in the Big Ten tournament. I couldn't find what their net rank, you know, the, the net ranking was, uh, but still, so eight and twelve in the Big Ten. Uh, a couple of quality wins, obviously, beat some top twenty-five programs. It ain't it ain't beyond reach, put it that way. And I, you know, so, but this I mean, again makes this game even more important, though, dude. They got to win this one. Yes, they have to win this one. All right, so let's dive right in to some Rutgers Insider questions. You guys had great ones this week. Uh, really appreciate you answering, as always. Uh, NJ.com backslash text. So uh, We have crashes, breaking news on there, left and right. Guys, if you're not on there now, you really should be on there now. Okay, I'm going to start with this one. Uh, number one is the 2020 quarterback on the roster. Sarge, what do you think? No. No. Okay. Well, I mean, I think I think Art's going to have every opportunity to, to win it. But you know, if the, if you're asking me whether or not there's going to be a quarterback who's going to have a chance to to to, uh, to start and and, and yeah, who is this mystery man? I don't know. Um, you know, I I think it, you know it's to be determined. I you know I think you know obviously the grad transfer portal is is, is a fluid thing. So I um yeah I think it's to be determined at this point. Cratch, do we have a strength coach and a special teams coach? Two back-to-back questions here. Uh, strength coach, Kenny Parker is still the strength coach as of now. Mm-hmm. I would think that, look, the strength coach is like the most, is the right-hand man of every head football coach. So I would tend to think that Greg will get his own strength coach, um, eventually. But I will say this, and I've said this in the past, you know, sometimes a, a coach comes in and, you know, as long as the strength coach is he, they can, he feels they can have a relationship with each other, and this guy is a qualified professional. He keeps them. That's what happened with the Giants when Pat Shermer got there. Obviously, he's no longer there now, but he just kept Ben McAdoo's strength staff there. But that being said, I would expect that Greg would um, make a change there, get his own guy at some point, and uh, when that kind of change happens, I'm not sure, but I'll stick with my dream staff. Jay Butler, I'm sure, will come back at some point. All right. <clears throat> this is a good one from uh... – uh, from somebody, does Hobbs have his act together to capitalize on momentum with early renewals and additional season ticket sales? Uh, now, obviously, this is more than just a, a Pat Hobbs thing. This is an institutional Rutgers deal. But uh, sorry, do we hear anything? I mean, are people really, you know, buying tickets? Yes. Um, so the first uh, week, um, and we've uh, put in for the numbers. We still have not got, uh, received the numbers, but we, you know, the first week there was a, you know, the, the, they, the, from my understanding, the ticket office was was flooded with with, with phone calls. Um, so the first week was really good. I talked to uh, Pat Hobbs in late December, December twentieth, and he said um, that um, there's going to be a big push coming after the holidays. And, um, that he's optimistic that, uh, you know, that, that what the momentum that, the, that was created in December is going to carry, carry through. So again, we, we're, we've asked for, for the numbers. Um, you know, the bar was, wasn't just low, it was on the ground from a <laughs> yeah. uh, number standpoint. So there's the, the numbers are going to look great from, from all accounts. If they're able to, to retain, um, you know, last season's numbers, which was probably about 16,000. Um, it, you know, if they could get over 20, 25,000, 
you know, is, is going to be a huge number. Um, again, big push after the holidays. So, uh, stay tuned. Crash, this is quite literally a question that everyone has asked at least one time on, on Rutgers Insider. Is Raheem Blackshear coming back? Do we know anything? It's still, you know, in limbo at this point. Um, he's apparently taken some visits. Um, again, I think it could be a situation where it's not a major rush. He still has time, you know, as kind of teams figure out what they're going to do with the transfer portal. I will say this. I've been surprised by the lack of – seeming lack of interest in Raheem Blackshear because I think he's a really dynamic football player. I don't know if the way things kind of went sideways with, with the red shirt impacts him or if it's just a situation where he's sort of uh, seen by ma- major programs as a, as a luxury player more than in every down back. Uh, but – the best answer I can give you is we just don't quite know yeah. yet. All right. All right. Any news on transfer portal targets and how many scholarships are left for February Sunday day? That's been a moving target from the beginning. I doubt you'd be able to answer that one, but are there, are there names in the portal that we're, we're just not, we're not better out there that we, that we don't know or, or what's going on with that? Anybody? I would say I'll answer the scholarship question first. I was told by someone that Greg has been telling people that he thinks he's going to be able to sign a full class. Okay. So that would be, they've got 20 now, I think, in. So we're talking maybe five more. Yeah. Yeah. Five or six more, you know, if they kind of work some numbers out. So I would think that they're going to add not a whole lot of people, but they're going to add a, more than one or two guys in theory in the coming weeks and months. As for portal targets, I mean, no, I mean, the names that are out there are pretty much the guys. I think the one thing I, I think I'm intrigued to see is, given the time that Greg spent you know, away and watching football and researching and studying and preparing for this, is he going to be one of those guys where he gets a guy out of the portal and we're all kind of like thumbing through, you know, media guides, who is this guy, who is this guy, and then that guy shows up and produces for Rutgers. I almost wonder, um, is his success in the portal going to be not so much with the big names where everyone gets all excited because they're from New Jersey and they – Chose, you know, they went against Rutgers back when they were in high school. Is he going to be the guy who gets the backup from Michigan that we've never heard of, and that's suddenly that guy is a starter? All right, here's here's another one I like, and it's 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 relevant because of obviously tomorrow night the rack's going to be packed. How would a rack expansion slash renovation work, Sars? And we've talked to, to Pat Hobbs about this. He's got he's got a pretty clear vision of what he wants to do with yeah. that building. Uh, how would it work? And does the fact that they are going full bore on the football building slide that way to the back burner? Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, so the idea of them adding more seats and, and swelling the uh, capacity, which is about 8,000, that's not going to happen. If anything, they might actually take out some, some, uh, seating capacity, um, in order to, to, uh, to add a, uh, a, um, you know, a lounge, you know, for, yeah. for high-end uh, donors. Uh, right now, currently, they're in the in the corner. It's less than ideal. Uh, what what they uh, really like uh, to do with Pat Hobbs' vision is to take the media room, which is um, right over by 118, section the old section 118, um, and turn that into in, into a, a bar slash lounge area where you get food and, you know, and, and the, you know, for, for the high end, you know, front row, um, the, the, the big spenders uh, will have, will have access to that. Um, ultimately, uh, the, 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 the offices that are overlook the, um, the, 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 the one end of the basket, 
Uh, he'd like to take the glass out of those and make that, you know, a, a sitting area as well, make that a pavilion. Um, you know, so, so maybe that would, would add some seats, but I think that, that, that could be, you know, something for, for, for a lounge type, type area too. Um, ultimately, you know, those are the two big things that he, he, he'd like to get done. But as far as, um, adding a capacity, you know, I, 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 there's only so many things that you could do. The building was built in right. 1976, 77. <clears throat> um, by all accounts, um, the, the capacity is, is, uh, what it is, what it is, you know, as, as far as like fire codes and everything, I, I, I don't think they could really increase the capacity all that much. Here's a question that relates to us, believe it or not. Uh, any indication what Shano's relationship and openness to the media will be like? And, and, you know, I think, uh, it's an interesting dynamic because obviously he's got, you know, he does have a national profile and knows a lot of people in the national media as well. Uh, he was pretty open when he was here last time. I mean, he practices were open. Uh, you know, he, he, he was available when you needed to talk to him. The other part of it is that, that he is not a big fan of leaks and of, of uh, information getting out of his program. Sarge, you work with him closer yeah. than anybody. What do you think we're going to face here with, uh, with him as uh, the media person? Yeah, it's a great question too. Um, well, I- Greg Ciano is a big fan of having coverage, you know, every day. Uh, you know, he, he likes, you know, Rutgers being talked about. How do you get that done? You, by, by having as much access as possible, especially during spring football and during training camp. Uh, I anticipate it being a lot more open than it's been. Um, is it going to be as open as it was back in the day where every single practice was open? If you remember, um, yeah, I'm old enough to actually remember his first couple of years where the fans had access to, 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 to practices. You know, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I, I do think that, you know, there will be more stuff for the fans as far as, uh, you know, open practices for, for the fans during, come spring. Um, I do think that he sees a benefit for, for opening it up. Um, I, I think he, uh, you know, as far as you're, you're, you're right about the leaks, but yeah, here's the thing. Uh, you know, Graciano, you know, I've already talked to him a few times about it and, you know, talking to other people, like he really do, does understand the value of, of you know, of, of, of the media, especially in this market and what it could do for him. Um, you know, he also probably understands the, of, of, you know, having, you know, negative coverage can, 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 can do for him, uh, you right. know, how that can impact the program. So he's going to do what, what he can to, to try to control the narrative as best as possible. Yeah, the one thing I will say I'm hoping for, and I've had a couple emails, very astute uh, fans and readers who have noticed that under Ash and even at the end of Flood, uh, the, 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 re- the number of stories that we wrote that were in-depth profiles of players seem to, seem to go down. And I yeah. like the fact that they, that readers noticed this and that it was a direct reflection of the access we, number one, of the losing, certainly, but also two, of the access we had. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Greg was open to us sitting down because they, they, they understand that if you're going to spend a half an hour talking to a kid, chances are the story is going to be a very positive story. So I'm guessing we're going to see that. I think that's going to be something that's going to be a nice benefit of, of having, uh, of having uh, Shanna back. All right, Cratch, one for you from David Melman wants to know the threat to the program that Halfley presents number one and, uh, the threat to perhaps what Matt Rule, uh, might do if that's going to be a problem. For Rutgers, if he's at with the Giants, uh, what are your thoughts on those two? I'll take Rule. I think obviously, if you're Rutgers, it's not the worst idea in the world to have Matt Rule off the college board, right? Whether it's pulling kids out, you know, a kid out of South Jersey every year. I think I went back in his four recruit. I think he's had four recruiting classes at Baylor. I think he's gotten like six or seven signees from the state of Rutgers, meaning New York, New, you know, New Jersey. 
Pennsylvania. Um, I know some people have been worried that he's going to take Fran Brown with him to the Giants. One, if Fran Brown goes to the Giants, if Matt Rule would be hired as Giants head coach, he's going to owe Rutgers like half a million dollars, if not more. And that's chump change for the Giants, but I will say this, and it has nothing to do with Fran Brown and, and his ability. You know, Greg has praised him as, as an on-field coach as well as a recruiter. The Giants, apparently, one of their big issues with Shermer was they felt that the staff wasn't strong enough from a player development standpoint. I can't see the Giants shelling out an extra, you know, half a million dollars to hire a guy who's never coached in the NFL to be on Matt Rule's staff. And obviously, if Matt Rule stands on the table, but I, I just, I would think Fran Brown is happy here. That's a pretty cumbersome buyout for an assistant coach. So I don't think Rutgers fans should worry too much about that. Um, as for Halfley, I think a lot of it depends on whether Anthony goes there or not. But I think, yeah, he's a risk. I mean, he's a he's a hot shot, you know, young coach who's generated a lot of excitement there. And you're, you're always going to have a hard time when it comes to, you know, the big parochial schools in Bergen County uh, competing against BC. I mean, it just is what it is. So, you know, I think in many ways the challenge that Princeton Wrestling and the other Ivy Leagues present to Scott Goodale and Rutgers where – Hey, it's you know it's hard to argue about you know put aside ac- athletics. It's hard to you know recruit against an Ivy League degree, and I think in some ways with BC with, with that sort of culture and their tradition, it's hard to recruit against that for some kids. And you're just going to lose some recruits to BC, no matter whether or not you think your football situation is vastly superior. <clears throat> I'm going to go out and limit. I don't think that that Greg is nearly as worried about. Halfway at BC as the rest of us are. <laughs> that's really that's I mean, probably true. Probably true. Uh, all right, uh, I think that's all we've got, people. Uh, we've done our best to get to as many as possible. Again, thank you for subscribing. Uh, Cratch, really quick. Sarge has to jump on a conference call here to, with Steve Peichel addressing the media before the Penn State game. Uh, anything else that we're missing here before we sign off? What do we got? Women's hoops. Uh, oh, women's hoops. You know, a big win. Come from behind. Win over Purdue. Uh, they're playing extremely well. Obviously, they lost at home to Indiana. That's gonna, that was probably a game they had to win to break into the top 25. And if they keep winning, that'll take care of itself. Um, I think I saw a wrestling question in our, uh, Rutgers Sports Insider. Jojo Aragon obviously, uh, was injured, medically forfeit out of the sudden scuffle. I'm told he's 100%, so he should be ready to rock and roll. Wrestling steps in the Big Ten dual meet season Friday at Ohio State. Then they wrap it up at, at Michigan State on Sunday. First big two-match road swing of the year for them. Um, in the conference, at least, they went out west. So uh, kind of an interesting weekend for them. They've got to get a split, I think, as they try to keep pace in this rebuilding year and still finish the season with a winning dual meet record. Never had a losing record under Scott Goodale. Obviously, they're not trying to start this year. Um, and, yeah, that's about it. So I think we'll just, uh, it should be a, a hootenanny at the rack on Tuesday night, and I think it's going to be a big test to see where this kind of Rutgers men's basketball season goes. Looking forward to it. Love a big college basketball game. Uh, fellas, great. This was a good podcast, a little off-season fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another one, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening.